Hamochoa, my question for you today is a simple one. It is, when have you ever had to walk into your classroom and shut off what was happening in your life, and how did you do it? Oh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about 34 years of that? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you asked me that question. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you know, you really do have to do it every day, and you have to kind of prioritize. Um, one of the things that I've always done is exactly that. What do I need the most? And no matter what happened when, you know, my husband, I, you already know this, but my husband was sick for a long time. And uh, my first husband, he left. So I was a single parent. Then I was a parent of three and had my master's and did all of that and taught and kept it together and didn't lose anything except for my, my, um, oh, what was it? My gas for about six months. So we went without hot water for about six months. So I do know what it's like to boil water on the stove and then go take it to the bathtub. <laughs> so how do you clear? Is that what you're talking about? Something like that? Well, here you go. So you have to say what's important. Number one are those kids in my classroom. They need me just as bad as everybody else does. I don't know what kind of life they're having. They might be having the same life I have, or they might be in a life that was way worse than I ever thought about, but I don't know who that child is. And it's my duty to do the best that I can for that child in the moment in which I'm in charge of that child. So I have to cry in the car before I get to school, wipe my tears, whatever I have to do. Sometimes I usually play just kind of a funny song or some kind of music to make me feel better, to get my mind off of things before I get into the classroom, and you know, like when I get in my car. And um, for example, Willie Nelson, I don't know the name of the song all of a sudden, but I do know that the, there's one line in there that I listen to when things are really bad, and it is, I can cry about all the time I've wasted, but it's just a waste of time and tears. <laughs> so I play that sometimes. So I'm like, I can cry about it or I can get on with it. So I um, I go into that classroom and, you know, I and I teach and I put it all aside and I deal with it when I get home. Sometimes, you know, it's always good to have a good friend. You know, I'm real fortunate. I have my mom and dad still with me. As a matter of fact, that's where I'm at right now because we're having issues at my house. (laughs) There you go. But anyway, uh, I have a good support system. I'd say find a good support system. But then always know that that child, you don't know what kind of day they're having. They're probably having the same one you're having. So just do the best that you can to make their day as best as it can be. Well, and with that, welcome to Craft and Draft with Pamela Cho and Jacob Chastain. And here, you know, in this episode, I, I the reason I wanted to ask that question is because there we're in weird times, right? Um, everything like we're in a crazy election year. So people who, you know, even people who don't pay attention to politics are paying attention right now because we're about to have an election here in the Mm -hmm. U.S. And um, it's a very contentious one. Doesn't matter what side you're on or what you feel about it. It's just it's a very, very contentious time in there. We have a pandemic um, that people are dealing with. We have uh, 
school stuff that's going on, right? For us, it was kind of the end of the six weeks, and that means grades are due, and that means administrators are making rules about certain things, and <laughs> um, everything kind of is crashing all at once. And that just that's just the big stuff, right? We have, like, chores to do, and we have bills to pay, and you have unexpected things that are happening. And for <laughs> you, you know, what got me thinking about this is your, you, you know, you had this flood thing at your house, so you're having to deal with that on top of everything else that's happening. And I was like, man, I was like, we need to, you know, I'm sure other people are in this moment and we we've all been, but there's certain times where it feels like the world just kind of happens all at once. And you're just like, man, I still have to show up and I still have to do my job and I still have to be the best teacher. And that's, that's a, that's a really hard thing to do sometimes. Well, it, it is a hard thing to do sometimes. You know, I, I gave a pep talk. Well, before I needed a pep talk uh, <laughs> this week, last week I gave a pep talk to my team and I said, look, this is something we, none of us have ever done this before. None of us have ever had um, a pandemic, like you said, a worldwide one where we're having to figure out how to work this technology, get the kids to do their work in school and out of school at home, deal with the parents who are like, they don't know what to do. You know, it looks like we're going to have quite a few kids come back because, you know, the, the online stuff is just really hard to do uh, for the kids. So I, you know, I gave a little pep talk the other day. We just have to do what we can do the best way we can do it. And let's just help each other. And I've noticed that my team, I was telling you the other day, my little team, we're really gelling right now. Uh, my little team of uh, seventh grade teachers that I work with. And, and I, I think we're just really depending on each other. And I think that's what you have to do is find somebody you can, can go through this with. Well, and for the, you know, people listening, just some backstory about kind of how our school or our district's handling uh, this digital learning, which is pretty interesting, which is, you know, I know I follow a lot of teachers online and you know, every school district's a little bit different. Like some schools are just now going back face to face, depending on where they're at in this in the in the United States and everything. And you know, for us, we did digital for two weeks, and then we allowed kids to choose where they want to come back. We had about half the kids in the district um, stay mm-hmm. home, and half came back. Actually, a little bit less than half came back. And then now that we're at the end of our little six weeks, we have. Kids got to choose again, right? And a lot of them are choosing to come back. Um, I think at our campus, we have about 80-something kids coming back. And that's probably due to a variety of reasons. Some of it probably is the digital learning because a lot of the kids – I know the kids that I have coming back into my class are the kids that really weren't doing work online. So they were either uh, forced to come back by their parents because they were like, there's no way you're going to fail. Or um, maybe they were just waiting – uh, to see how the COVID situation was going to go because, you know, the district, our numbers are pretty low currently. Um, we have no cases on our campus right now. So, um, you know, that's, that's reassuring to people who are immensely worried about stuff. Obviously it doesn't mean we're out of the woods or anything like that, but, uh, that situation alone is crazy because I was thinking of like, I have a bunch of new teachers on my team and, trying to comprehend what it's like to, cause we all know like getting a new kid every once in a while, like can be disruptive, right? Like it's right. kind of you're like, okay, where do I put the kid? Oh my God. I have to teach them so many things about my class. Where did they come from? Cause they might have zero idea of what's happening in my class right now, let alone gaining back. However many that, you know, 
yeah, they were online, but if they weren't doing anything, they're still, it's like getting eight new kids who, um, are kind of just out there and like that stuff. And even worse for us is getting kids back has, it's a part of the, the master schedule problem because we can only have so many kids in a classroom and still have social distancing, uh, to be thought about. So we have like, we literally have math classes where kids are in person, but they are online because we can't put them in a classroom because the master schedule is already messed up. So like, yeah. So you add all of that together, be a new teacher. Right. And like, even for me, you know, it's my seventh year, um, nothing on, uh, your time, but the, the, just like, I'm pretty experienced and I'm like, man, this is a lot to process, let alone like do well. And then, you know, like we said at the beginning, like on top of everything else that's still going on. So it's just like, I don't know. Do you know how many kids are coming back on your campus? Well, they were saying about 100. Oh, wow. And I know that we're probably, yeah, well, we have a, you know, we have a really large, I think we're the largest school in our district as far as middle schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, we compete with another school. So it kind of goes back and forth. I don't know exactly where it sits right now, but we're, we've got, a, we've got around a thousand students. So for us to have a hundred, that's not very many, but uh, when you look at it that way, but I did look in my room, I went up there this today on it and today just happens to be a Saturday. So it's a weekend. And I go up, up there and I'm looking and I'm going, okay, I'm getting this many kids. So now what do I do with my seating arrangement? I've got to redo my seating arrangement. We have to turn in our seating charts and we have to keep them adjusted. We have to tell how many feet everybody is apart. We have to know who they are every day. Where did they sit? If we moved them, where did we move them? So yeah, it gets overwhelming. I mean, it really does. Uh, kind of what I tell my students when it gets overwhelming, you got to organize yourself in some way, figure out a way to do it. I typically do it or I tell my students to do it by um, what you do first or what is due first is what you need to do first, you know, do the what's due, you know, done. I can't say it all of a sudden, but so I tell them, look at your schedule. If you have first period, then you do all the first period work first. Then you go to second period. You do all that, go to third period, because what you have to do first is what you need to do first. And if you do it in that order all the time, it will help you keep up with all the stuff you need to do to accomplish. And I think it works the same way for us is you got to kind of look, okay, what, first of all, always prioritize. My dad always told me, get your paperwork in, no matter what you do, get your paperwork in. So anything. So what I do is I make sure I go through my list. I say, what, what kind of paperwork do I have to turn in? You know, we had to turn in our students that were struggling. We have to turn in our students that need to go to special labs. We have to turn in our students that have to have a special test. We have to turn in the students that need not to mention the R, you know, paperwork and all this other stuff we have to do. So what, is do first is what you need to do first. And so you almost have to just put yourself on the schedule. And that's how I kind of kept up with stuff. Sometimes you fall behind, but I always made sure if the principal was going to hear about it in some way, I made sure it was done first. So if it was a parent, if I didn't take care of that parent, I knew that the parents probably going to go straight to the principal. So I knew that the parent had to come first because I didn't want the principal to be uh, told except by me what's going on. So I always just kind of have taken care of my paperwork and then take care of uh, the rest of, that I need to do as far as like, you know, managing the situation. And of course, all of that means the kids come first. Cause if you put the kids first, 
then all of a sudden there's going to fall in place. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, all of that is really fascinating for so many reasons, but the, idea. Well, I mean, everything kind of crashing at once. And, um, you know, we had like our contact reports we had to do. And I had a bunch of teachers who were, uh, you know, because things fall through the cracks, right? Because we can't, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you get 4,000 emails um, by, by 10 a.m. And then you forget and then things get pushed to the wayside. And I know our administrators uh, our, I, I can't praise my administrators more currently, but I know that even them, like they got behind on one of the promises they made to us was like calling kids who weren't working online. Cause they knew we were doing it, but it was also like, you know, sometimes you need an administrator's like just help. Sometimes that just gets kids moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't meant to be, uh, you know, like a, a punitive thing. It was just, you know, you get a call from your assistant principal. Sometimes, you know, parents live a more apt to kind of get their kids online and they had dropped the ball a little bit on that because of everything else. So they literally spent all day Thursday and Friday just making calls. Every time I walked into the office, they were sitting there calling yeah. and they had a, <laughs> they had a huge list. And I mean, that's what a time to be an administrator. You know, if we have any administrators oh. listening to this podcast, I mean, thank you. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me to do it right now because it's, it's, it's a, yeah. Oh, I know it. I mean, I was just thinking the other day, you know, I got in the classroom right at the right back in the classroom yeah. right at the right time because I don't know if I would have wanted to learn how to do all this to tell the teachers, you know, because every time they walk down the hallway, you can't help but have the teachers go, oh, I mean, you can hear almost here. What are they going to ask me to do now? So I know that's got to be a hard job uh, to, you know, to try to stay positive when you're the one in charge of the boat. It's kind of hard. It's hard to do that. So well, I think that would be a tough one. Yeah, and you have this, you know, just this idea. You want to take care of people, right? I mean, if an administrator mm-hmm. is an administrator for the right reasons, then, you know, they're they're trying to take care of their teachers. They're trying to take care of everyone else. And department chairs are trying to take care of each other. And coaches are trying to take care of each other. And it's just like right. there's this moment where it's like, you know, like this whole year has kind of felt really delicate, it's like, man, at any moment, this whole thing could really just kind of fall apart. Um, yeah. But even with that well, said, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say when you said delicate, you know, I'm, I'm also refereeing volleyball. It's volleyball season here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've shown up to a few gyms already where uh, they're like, well, I'm sorry, the other team can't make it because they had their quarantine. So, yeah, it is very delicate uh, in that sense. But we're, I mean, down here we're going and, and going i mean it's uh, we're doing the best we can and I, i'm glad we're i'm i'm just so fortunate that i get to work well and that that's kind of where i was about to go which is you know even though it does seem delicate and there's all kinds of things going on and stress is at a high level and everything else like that like my classroom i still i mean i'm really happy like in when kids mm-hmm. are in there and i'm teaching and we're, we're flowing and everything. Like the lessons are going good. The kids are minding, like, you know, they're all wearing their masks. It's not really a problem. Every once in a while, you know, one creeps down to their chin or whatever. It's like, Nope, got to put it back. And, but like, for the most part, um, I mean, I'm just so glad that we're at least finding some type of solution to get these kids back because, you know, I, I was, I was a proponent on teach me teacher where I was like, under no circumstances am I saying we need to all go back just willy nilly. We need to do it safely. But I was still like, kids need to be back. Like, 
you know, put your politics aside, like to say kids don't need to be in school is to call into question everything that we do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I just was really a strong believer in that and, and seeing how well the kids are doing and the, um, the, the gains that we're already making, like I just, school is powerful, man. And I don't know how anyone, I don't know how any educator could believe otherwise, because I think it's clear that the online learning is not an adequate substitute. Now I get why we do it and I'm glad we have that option, right? I'm glad the internet's there so we could keep certain things going, but under no circumstance are we going to transition to this online digital programs rule the world thing. Like that's been doom and gloom for a while. People have been talking about like education is just going to continuously go more online, more online. I don't think it's true. I mean, maybe in higher education for college and stuff. Um, but for kids, I don't I don't see that happening within our lifetime. Well, you know, uh, the way we teach writing and, and all of that, I have several kids that wrote about their experiences in COVID. I mean, they just they're like, here we are in COVID. And I never and, and they were writing it almost like a documentary. It was really kind yeah. of fascinating. I had one or two that did that and says and they were even talking about, you know, if we write this, it might we might get in the history books, because this is historical. Yep. So, you know, these seventh graders understand the the seriousness and the, of the situation. But one of them is like, I'm so glad I'm at school. We're all wearing our masks. We're trying our best. Uh, the teachers are trying really hard. And I mean, it was just neat to have that student write on her own what she thought about the situation and was really glad to be at school. I think the kids need, uh, well, you know, we're social creatures. And to isolate is is really kind of devastating so uh, to people. So it's really good to watch the kids. And I'm like you. I'm not having any issues, like, with my students as far as, um, you know, pitch, pull your mask up. They pull their mask up. I'm not. Yeah. You know, they're they're really trying their best. They're they're sanitizing. Every time they walk into my room, they they've got their hands all, you know, yeah. kind of have to tell them to stop using the sanitizer because <laughs> you know they get kind of crazy sometimes. But other than that, they're they're not having any issues. They're following the directions. No, I mean I thought restrooms would be a problem. Not even. Haven't had one restroom problem as far as on my watch. So it's been kind of neat to watch the kids comply and, co- and cooperate and even write about it. I mean, this is this is a big experience. Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, this is history, right? We're living through mm-hmm. a historic time on many levels, by the way, but definitely through mm-hmm. um, this. And you know, I think Kelly Gallagher, uh, you know, when kind of when quarantine really started hitting and stuff like that, you know, he was one of the people who said, you know, having kids write about this and talk about this, you know, they're literally creating primary documents that could be mm-hmm. used when they're older. And I think it's true. And you know, what's funny is I had a lot of kids, I've had a lot of COVID pieces, but I've also had a lot of kids just write about, you know, how when they were at their house, you know, it was just like constant fights and stress and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And, they were, you know, essentially trapped in their home. And, you know, some of it is teen angst, right? Not all of these kids are, like, <laughs> living these really heartbreaking home lives, but a lot of them are. Um, right. And, and they're the ones who, you know, they're putting these pieces down. And I just go, you know, when I read their piece, you know, we talk about it, and I go, you're really glad to be at school. And they're just like, yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's something that we can't lose sight of um, no matter what, which is why, you know, I'm glad our district has, you know, put in the work as much as they can to keep things safe and 
campuses have worked diligently to do stuff to uh, keep their areas protected and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I can't speak for every district or every teacher, but I'm glad we at least have that because these kids are benefiting from open up the school. And the, the more interesting fact about this, I don't know if we've talked about this on air or off air at all, but um, there was a, um, in, in educational circles, people were talking about the gap, right? They were saying that like, kids are going to have gaps because of learning and stuff like that. And even on Teach Me Teacher, I brought it up to like Jennifer Saravalo when I had her on. Right. And she was like, she was like, uh, maybe so. Um, but it's, it's, you know, she was talking about how like, you know, it's a, they're living through a pandemic. Gaps are kind of the last thing to think about. But a lot of people were saying there wouldn't be gaps or there wouldn't be a slump or anything like that. Um, and you know what? Having my kids come in, I saw gaps. I saw big learning gaps after them not being at a f- campus in around six months or so. Um, I don't know what your experience is, but I totally saw a lot of their stamina had gone away. And I remember I taught my kids last year, so I know exactly where they were. Um, right. And I saw the – now, they didn't, like, erase the learning that we had. You know, they had remembered key lessons, and they were uh, better than when they were uh, before that last year started. But there was there was some – there was gaps, and I was like, wow, I mean, this is – Like our assessments, I mean, it was definitive. My conferences, it was pretty definitive. So like I had a, this wasn't just me like looking at a screener, you know what I mean? Like I had, I had a preponderance of evidence that I was like, yeah, we totally, we slipped a little bit. Now I'm not stressed about it because yeah, we were through a pandemic. It was quarantine. There's all this stuff, but it was interesting to kind of see that did, did, are your teachers, are you seeing the same thing or how, how that, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there has really there is a gap, and I, and when you said stamina, I think that may be part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it is really taking a while for these kids to build that stamina and and do the kind of work because if you remember, just a few months ago, when they did their work on everybody was just like, just let if they just do something, just let them if they just do something, yeah. and. We weren't real. We were just accepting whatever we could get, and mm-hmm. so, so now we come back full force as far as what our expectations are, and they are expected to carry a full load, and they hadn't carried a full load in six months. So I think stamina, maybe, maybe a lot of it. I do think that the reading, they they weren't the ones who were reading. I did have one of my my teacher friends said that. Because she is similar to you in the sense that she was in sixth grade and now she's in seventh grade. So she's really kind of looping with some of these kids as well. Mm-hmm. And she had mentioned that this one student had told her, oh, I've been reading and reading and reading. And because she was reading this whole time and just her mom would just make her read books, she said she noticed an improvement, uh, actually. But all the other students, she was saying they're just not where they were. So, yeah, I think we have um, found some gaps, especially if they weren't working. Yes. So I, you know, the reading thing is actually a fascinating point. I'm going to pull up my uh, Google Drive right now because I have a student who uh, she was a reader and a writer and like she's she's a really great student in general. She said that she really didn't write over the break at all. She just read. Right. Um, and I was like, okay. I'm, you know, I was kind of interested just to see. And so she, I was, I did the comparison and I actually sat with her because she, uh, she has two pieces 
Um, one is from one of her first pieces that she published in sixth grade. And I'm going to, I'm going to read you a section of it just so you can hear the language. And then I'm going to read you a section of her newest one. Okay. Um, and I want you to just hear the difference in this. Cause she said she hadn't been writing, um, but the reading and just like the depth of where she's at, um, I don't know. I want, I want you to hear kind of what it is. I'm pulling it up. All right, here we go. So I'm going to read the first one. So this is one of her earlier pieces um, from sixth grade. Okay. This was called The Angry Flamingo. Oh, she you says, like the title. I know. She goes, <laughs> she goes, the hairless cat sat on the window ledge, staring out at the river's edge. We had only one fear, seeing the other cats with hairy ears. He went out one day. He even put on sunspray. He still thought he might burn all the other cats acting so stern. There were so many cats at the beach that day. He was just going to put on a towel and lay. He'd just lie there all alone. When he was done, he went home. He looked in the mirror and, oh, he looked like an angry flamingo. He decided to never go out for the rest of his life. He'd sit and pout. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Right? Funny. Funny. I like a rhyme. I like a rhyme. Yeah, they're nice and fun, right? It's very playful. Uh So this is the piece that she brings to me um, early this six weeks. So she probably, uh, uh, she started writing it maybe a few weeks ago, and then we kind of went through it. But this is where she's at now, okay? This one's called Silence. Oh, already different. Uh-huh. It goes tap, tap, tap. The rhythmic pitter-patter of the rain hitting the window and sliding down dejectedly, making room for others. The air rages, dancing through the leaves in the trees, leaving them reaching. The vivid blue flashes across the deep, inky sky, lighting up the ground. A low rumble chases after the light, rattling the windows and walls, terrifying small children. The steady downfall becomes a weak trickle, then a humid, sticky silence. Wow. Isn't that, that is amazing? Awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same person. Are you sure? It's the same person. Um, only, I mean, this is like, I mean, I don't know how many months well, apart. We were go, we were out for six and then. Right. But, I mean, this was. Uh, so she probably did the Plague Flamingo around September last year. So that's a year's growth. A of, year's growth. That's what it looks like. In that, I mean, that's a seventh that grader. Amazing. I mean, I wasn't writing like that in seventh grade. <laughs> no, but but you've given her the opportunity both, to, and she's found her voice. It sounds like she's found her voice. But I mean, you know, just just the mere fact of of growing and going through the things that we've gone through, she might even appreciate more now uh, the ability to get to write. And to be in school. Well, and she, I mean, I, I was reading that and I was like, oh my God, like the, the, like the wind blowing through the trees, leaving them reaching. I was like, that is such a deep line that you find. I mean, she's writing literature at this point, right? I mean, there's. Yeah, that's a literary piece. I have a question. Now, did you say that she was reading quite a bit? Did she tell you she was reading a lot? Yeah. So over break, because I read okay. that and I said, man, have you been writing? And she goes, no, not really. I've just been reading a but lot. I've been reading. <laughs> Yeah, it, I'm telling you, there is a direct correlation, and I think you just showed us the evidence of that between reading. I mean, writers constantly, I mean, say that they read. I mean, they're readers first, and that's the importance of learning the craft. And you learn the craft by reading. You use that reading, and then you develop your own craft. But think about that. Any kind of any kind of learner, we know this from our PSYOP and ESL training, but mm-hmm. you have a silent period. You have a silent period when you're learning a new language. 
and you're just taking it in. Babies do the same thing. They absorb the language. And then all of a sudden you're like, where did all that come from? So I'm wondering if that's what, why you're reading, that's what she's doing. She's absorbing that language and she's learning how to put words together. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just so good. And, uh, she's working on another piece and what, what I've seen in her writing, uh, recently is she's playing with descriptive language a lot and how it all kind of flows together. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's so fascinating to watch a student go from the pink flamingo or the angry <laughs> flamingo, which I did like it. I thought it yeah, was cute. It was fun. Right. Um, but then this is, it's just like a, a different level. And I was like, I told her, I was like, you're on your way, dude. I was like, I don't know if you're going to choose writing when you're older, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just the mere fact that you told her she could might make a whole difference. I mean, on another note, though, so having my kids, you know, I always try to have, you know, a a good amount of time for them to read in class and a good amount of time for them to write. And what I've noticed is they they're really good about going into their writing. But the reading is what uh, is struggling a little bit, getting them to kind of Mm -hmm. sit with the book for a little bit. That's, I think that's some of the stamina I'm seeing too, is I think a lot of them just didn't have access to books, um, even though we had them digitally and stuff like that. And there was, they're just kind of out of practice, right? I mean, and that's, I think that's huge in terms of, you know, getting them to consume that literature, right? To put it in their brain so they can put it out on the page. Um, That's what I'm having right now is I'm slowly trying to encourage them to get back into their reading lives, get back into the process of reading every day, putting in the page counts and stuff like that. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I I, I think part of it is book access. I mean, you know, Don, Donalyn Miller and Linda Reef and definitely um, Beers, Col- yep. Colleen Beers. Anyway, Miss, uh, they all talk about putting books in these children's hands and they need to have access. I think Penny Kittle even talked about that at one of the conferences I went where I listened to her. And, um, but that book access is so important. And I think that, that right now they've got some even restrictions on how we, you know, when we put a book, like, do not let them just touch their, your shelves, you know, because if they touch your bookshelves in the classroom, then we have to quarantine it for that book for like six days or, you know, there's all these restrictions. And so then uh, we're almost going back to the old days where I was telling y'all or telling you the other day was uh, the librarians are like, I just put that on the shelf. Don't touch it. You know, we're almost like, I'm going to have to quarantine that. Don't touch it. (laughs) So, so anyway, the kids are like, I I don't want to have to mess with that. And so I'm finding it difficult to get that going uh, as well as I wanted to. However, I did do book clubs. We did start book clubs in my, um, in my classes. Um, the kids are putting their books on hold and then they have to wait for the, the librarian to come in and give us our books is what they decided to do. So the browsing for books has really kind of been an online experience. And so because of that, I think that's kind of slowed down. Like in the past, I'd just say, go get your book and let's go down there to the library. Let's find a book. And so that's a little bit different right now at our campus. I'm still working through that, but, but the kids did have a book. I did they each had a different book, and we did that uh, a collaborative. You know, Canvas has a that collaborative uh, aspect to it mm-hmm. where they can work on a Google Doc. So they worked on a Google Doc. They each had a different uh, color of font that they chose themselves. And so they were able, my online students were able to continue a conversation about their book, but they did it all online. 
And so it was kind of neat that the leader of that turned it in. So it's just neat to watch them, you know, answer questions about their books, but they even generated, generated some of their own questions. So, I mean, we're trying, but I'm like you, the stamina, it's just, um, I have a few that are reading a lot. And then there's some of them are like, you can see they'll start reading and then they'll stop. Like in the past, it would be like, can we still read? And right now they're a little bit slow. They're just like, starting to can I write they'd almost write they'd almost prefer to write right now right they said can I write instead I'm like well I really want you reading so let's read first yeah I have a lot of kids I have a lot of kids who consistently ask to write and they're like okay is it writing time is it writing time I'm like no I need you to read we've only been reading for two minutes right (laughs) right and um um I've, I've had some look getting them into some stuff like you know we did a mini lesson where I used I told I talked about this on the other podcast but I used a page from uh, Scythe, and I have like three kids reading that, and you know I've been I've been dealing out books as as well as I can given our restrictions, and our librarian mm-hmm. has done a good job at oh, um, yeah. letting kids check out stuff digitally and then bringing the books to the classroom, which is kind of cool. Um, so that must be a district thing because that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think all the librarians got together to kind of figure out how they were going to do it. Right. Um, and, you know, we've had some stuff like that. It's just a little bit different. And, I, you know, I think also part of it might be like when we went into quarantine, like I wasn't reading at all. Like I just I, – and, and it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just because I couldn't focus. Like, you know, when I sat down and was silent for five minutes, I was thinking about, you know, this problem, that problem. You know, when, when quarantine really first hit and like – everyone was freaking out and it was like a different experience for everyone. You know, there was like no mm-hmm. one on the streets and stuff. Like it was really hard to focus on anything. Cause I'm like, well, it okay. Was. And everyone's like freaking out about having enough food and stuff. Like for a hot minute, we were like, uh Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I know. Was... When am I going to get my next toilet paper? Tissue? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean the shelves were empty. And I mean, that was a, that was a crazy world. So every time I sat down mm-hmm. to read, you know, all I was thinking about was like, okay, what do I need to do? tomorrow to make sure that like my family's okay, you know? And, um, that's that I, I feel like maybe some of them are still in some of those situations. Cause a lot of them, you know, their parents might've lost their jobs or, um, maybe they can't find work or, you know, whatever other stressor that's happened because of this. So like being quiet and reading, sometimes it's, it's not a place people want to go. And that's something I've tried to remind myself of is, you know, maybe there's a reason they're being, resistant a little bit. Cause you know, my kids are mostly readers at this point, right? They're honors kids they're right. seventh grade. So most of them are there because they like to read and write. Um, and some of them, a lot of them are struggling. So I think that's, I've been just kind of keeping that mindful as I, as I go through and try not to cry because we're not reading as much as we should, but you know, everything's time. I think it's easy to stress ourselves out about like, we got to get to this, this, and this. And it's like, no, we really don't. We have time. We can take some that's, time. That's exactly right. And that's what I was telling my teachers, too, the other day, the ones I work with. And I'm like, you know, I think we just need to stop. Uh, that might have been a part of my prep talk, pep talk. We just need to stop and take a breath, you know, and, and our kids do, too. Instead of worrying about whether we're going to get that fifth story done, so to speak, why can't we just stop and really enjoy the one story that we have time for? And let these students absorb that. And um, so anyway, we did. We slowed down. And I think it really made a difference. Um, 
so and we spent more time just letting them have time to read. I even had some of my students went, Oh, Ms. Ochoa, we're noticing that you're giving us more time to read. We really like that or write. We really like that. Can we can we have more time like that? And I'm I started getting some stuff in. It's interesting. I think I shared this with you the other day, not on on the podcast, but just in a conversation we had. But one of my teachers, um, when I say my teachers, I always say all my teachers are my <laughs> teachers, but she's my colleague. She's she's just an equal, just like me. But anyway, she walked in. She said, oh, my goodness, I'm enjoying listening to the uh, reading these kids' papers this year because I've given them time to write, and it's made it's really made a big difference. And she's new. This is like her third year to teach. So she's been learning, and now she's got it starting to figure it all out. Because, you know, it takes some time to learn all this stuff. It's a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's hard. And it's you know there's i think that's what keeps me excited even when you know like i don't know i'm i'm i would say i'm not too stressed right now but i do <clears throat> this is probably a more stressful weekend just cuz everything's kind of closing out and um everything else involved so but i'm still excited to i know that when i walk in monday and that class comes in like my stress goes away like <laughs> It's, oh, oh, yeah. I, I think just, that's why I love it so much. It's my natural. I, I'm lucky enough to have a job that de-stresses me when I'm doing the actual job part of it. Like when I'm actually mm-hmm. doing what I'm what I like to do um, and conferring with kids and all that. It's it's all the extra stuff that uh, weighs on you. But when you're in the middle of teaching, you know, that stuff kind of fades away. You know, it's like being in the in the zone. Right. Well, you know, you talked about. Uh, the other day, we're going to have to do something about our conferencing, but I've been doing a lot of conferencing since our stuff was about to be turned in, you know, mm-hmm. here the last two weeks. But anyway, it's kind of, I, I pulled up another, I got another, I found a chair that was a teacher chair, and it's just like mine, and because we all have we all have to have the same exact chair at my campus because <laughs> it's that new campus. And so they bought, uh, bought us all chairs, but somebody apparently had an extra one. So I went and got it and I set it down and I said, well, come sit in my conference chair. So I call it the conference chair and the kids go, can I come sit in the conference chair? So <laughs> they've been only if you have something to conference about. So you better be thinking about what you need me to help you with. And so I get, a, I have a lot, I get, a, I think it really does give me a lot of energy to have those kids want to come up there and in my, you know, when I do the conference sessions and like, okay, I'm sitting in the conference session. Let's see what, you know, my chair is open if y'all need to come out and all that. At first they didn't, but here all of a sudden that one person did and they're like, oh, thank you, Miss Ochoa. That really helped me. And then the next person came up, I need help with this. And then, so, I mean, I think something like that just really energizes me when I'm, when I want them to, you know, just that, them wanting to be around me, so to speak, and me want to be around them. I think it's really, it's energizing. And I like it when I, when they start asking me questions, real questions about their writing. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know how to begin. I don't know which lead to start with. I've got this one and this one, and I don't know which one to start with. And what do you think? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's read, read both of them to me. Now, which one do you think would be best? Oh, I think this one would be best. All right. Well, go do what your heart says. (laughs) <laughs> so that oh thank you for such a I didn't do anything I just asked them what yep. they thought you know but they don't know that but they got to sit in that conference chair just like and it's they're like I just love sitting in your conference chair can I come over there it's just it's just a regular little old office chair but they get a kick out of it that's so funny mm-hmm. I uh, well and that's uh, that's the thing about conferring there is you know half of what we do 
is is just letting them helping them navigate their own thoughts, right? I mean, right. when I when I'm sitting down with a kid, nine times out of ten, I'm just either showing them how to grab the right thoughts and put on paper, or I'm helping them decide which one of their stuff is kind of where they need to be. But it's never my decision; it's always me just going, "Well, here's what you got," and they go, "Okay, mm-hmm. I like this." I'm like, "Okay, sweet, go." <laughs> right. Well, and you know, I realized too another thing is. Reading to the students, I, I really get a kick out of reading to the students, and they seem to they seem to like that too. So it's 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 fun. I mean, I I think the most important thing is is when you get in there, if you if you if you have fun with it, then you know make it fun, make it fun for them, and make it fun for you. Don't make it drudgery, and they'll want to do the work usually, eventually, maybe not immediately. <laughs> Eventually they do. <laughs> I mean, I had this one kid one time. This was in high school. And you know how um, I just just kind of leaned over and kind of touched his shoulder, not in any kind of way, but just just a little, you know, touch, like it'll be okay or whatever. And he goes, don't you touch me. And I said, oh, okay, I won't. I mean, he's this big old football player. This was years ago. And I said, all right, no problem. You know, and so I, I make it a point most of the time when I talk to kids. I keep, if I'm standing up, I keep my hands behind my back because I'm, I'm more of a touchy kind of person where I like to, you know, kind of <laughs> give you a little bat or something, yeah. you know, or like a high fiver. Or I mean, I'm, I was a handshaker kind of thing. When they come into the door, into my classroom, I would shake their hand at the door. So, you know, that, that was me. And so this has been different in that sense. There's none of that anymore. But uh, but he did. Don't you touch me? And so later on, you know, I said, okay, no problem. So we went on, and and then later on, he touched me on the shoulder, Miss Ochoa. And I looked at him. I said, don't touch me. And he goes, oh, I get it now. It's okay. We're good now. <laughs> so I mean, over time, I mean, I honored him, but then I kind of put his words back there. He was he right. kind of smiled and said, okay, well, we're good now, Miss Ochoa. That was at the beginning, so it was kind of funny. So. Yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy the kids. Uh, at least I try most of the time. Yeah. No, I've mm-hmm. uh, you know the kids are never really the issue. You know what I mean? And there's Mm-mm. they're you know that that's the best part. But I you know I think we've we've come to uh, our answer from the beginning, which was you know how do we manage the the stress of everything and you know whether it's home life getting you down, whether you got a flood <laughs> in your house or you have um, you know whatever. Uh, uh, you know, checking at the door isn't always that hard because it's the job. You know, if you're doing the job for the right reasons, you know, the job is really life affirming and it's energy giving and it's everything that you could want in a profession. And yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things attached to it. And, you know, when <clears throat> I get time sucked away from me because I have to, you know, use a, an assessment program or something like that that's taken away <laughs> from my life. I uh, I want to throw my head against the wall, but it's though that that stuff is never the actual teaching, and it's never the actual any uh, the kids and um, we're uh, extremely fortunate that I have that. I'm I'm like like a lot of people, you know, they like well, Chastain, you just all you do is talk about work. You know, you have a podcast. Well, now I have two podcasts, and you uh, have a have a book, and you do all this stuff, and you're teaching all the time. You're doing all this, and everything, nearly everything you post on social media is about teaching. It's like, oh, don't you ever like go like to the mountains or like go hiking or go fishing or something like that. And, you know, I do do some stuff to entertain myself, you know, like 
people that listen to Teach Me Teacher know I talk about like I'm a gamer and stuff like that. But and I play music and make music. But for the most part, like this is the reason I do it so much isn't because I'm a like addicted to it or anything like that. It's because I like it. It makes me feel better. Like doing you know creating lessons and finding good pieces and figuring out ways to do my job better makes me happier like that it brings like you know what i mean like right it's not a workaholic thing it's a it's a if i didn't do this i would be probably miserable (laughs) you know like right right no i i do i enjoy being in the classroom i mean i'll even go i went up there like i said today and just said uh i remember my dad was and my mom you know they were teachers and so on the weekends my dad sometimes would take us up there uh, we'd walk to schools. I just, I just love school. I grew up around it. That's what I know. And I don't know if I could have done anything else either, but I, I enjoy it. I like that moment when the kids go, Oh, I get it. And mm-hmm. it's just a neat, neat experience. Um, and another thing, you know, I just like, I think it's a service. I mean, I think this is, this was my ministry, my, it's what I, you know, I know that a lot of people say, you know, it's my calling or whatever, mm-hmm. but I really, it really is. I think it is what I was meant to do. And I think that helps a lot when you find, you know, when you go to work and you enjoy your work, there's, there's nothing better than enjoying your work. And I, I have, I've had some hard times. I really have uh, up and down and even, even, I mean, it wasn't always rosy. But now I'm looking on this side of it. It does help that I can retire any mo- any moment. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, well, you know, hey. But at the same time, it's now I, I you know, I even tell the kids, I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. I don't have to do this. So it's definitely something I want to do. And I enjoy doing it. Well, I don't think we could have found a better note to close off on. Miss Ochoa, I, you know, I just, I love, I love doing this. You know, sometimes I'm, I've, I've done so many podcasts at this point. I'm like, sometimes I'm tired. Like I'm a little tired tonight. And, um, you know, we have a million things we got to get done, but I just love talking, teaching. I love chatting with you. I hope everyone else enjoys it as much as we do every single week. Remember guys, Craft and Draft comes out every single Friday, really Thursday night. If you're on the, on the ball, but I like to release it just early enough for you guys to listen to, but Craft and Draft every single Friday. If you enjoyed this episode, drop some stars. I love that you guys keep doing that. You, Everyone listening, and we're getting new listeners every single week. Y'all are hitting that star button, and I'm telling you, it really does help the podcast. It lets people know that this podcast is essential for teachers to listen to. So if you think this is something people should listen to, the best way to support it is share it and leave those star reviews really does help. If you want this podcast every single Friday, hit subscribe and or visit us at craft and draft workshop.com. You can find every episode that we've done so far. We're still early in the podcast, so um, we're enjoying it. We love having these long conversations um, just between us talking about our craft, talking about everything else. So if you want to come along, if you're interested in a workshop and nerdy about it, just like we are, come back every single Friday and we will make it happen. But until then, everyone, we're here for you.